0: content of the Tandem Radio program and website is intended for general information purposes only. It's not designed to provide listeners with specific and personal oh, financial, man. legal, counseling, professional service, or other advice. The views expressed by show hosts, their guests, and callers are their own and should not be construed in any way as opinions of Tandem Radio or the Bridge FM network.
2: We want to welcome all of our radio and global internet listeners to the program.
3: And now here's our host, Glenn Delakian. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory, says Psalm 73. Number 12, verse 24. Good morning and welcome to Tandem Radio Live. This is your host, Glenn DeLakin, here every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, bringing you the good news on business. And we're just excited to have um, our guests in the studio today. And uh, the topic that we're going to cover today is a dynamic one. And I know as business owners out there listening or those of you who are interested in business, you're going to get a lot of great information this powerful day. For For those of you who may be tuning in for the first time, our goal here at the show is twofold number one is to show people that uh, the scriptures the Holy Bible are filled with information that can help you with your business and advance your uh, business efforts God wants you to be a uh, wants to be a part of your life not just in your uh, fr- family life your personal life your social life but your business life as well and uh, we pray that this would be an encompassing concept that uh, would be uh, in every aspect of what you do so our goal is to point you to scripture and show you how it relates directly to your business and in addition to that we also try to do our- our best to give you something as a business owner or someone who's interested in business or involved in business, give you something to take home with you that you can use Monday morning to help advance uh, your endeavors and do better and be more successful. So this morning, our uh, topic is global business architecture. And our guest is Dick Brandt, who is the director of the Lee Coca Foundation. And he's also an international consultant, advisor, and accomplished public speaker. He has served in various vice president positions during a 25-year career history at AT&T and Lucent Technologies and so much more. We're going to talk to Dick in a minute. Uh, he's been on before. Some of you may remember and we just got we had we talked about so much in that show and we didn't even scratch the surface. So I said Dick, we got to get you back and he has been kind enough to come back in today and he brought his lovely bride Sandra with him as well. So he's doubly on the spot. He's right. got the audience right. and he's got his wife across the glass that he's got to <laughs> make sure he does a good job today. But let's start as we usually do. Every week, God puts scriptures on my heart based on the guests that were going to be coming in. And uh, a lot of times, these jump right out of me and say, Hey, you know what? This makes sense. It ties right in. And sometimes I wonder, why are we reading these scriptures? But you know what? By the end of the show, they always do tie in because that's how God works. So let's start with the scripture readings. Genesis 28, 14. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to north and to the south, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. He was speaking to Abraham, of course, in that. Matthew 8, 8 through 9. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself and a man under authority with soldiers under me, I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. And the last one, Mark sixteen five, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all created. So, anyway, we're talking today about... Not only the good news on business, but global business architecture. And that's why it ties right into this scripture, which I'm excited mm. about the Mark scripture, because it's about going into all the world. And talk about a man who's been in just about all the world. <laughs> Every time I talk to Dick, I find out more places he's either gone or is going. And the amazing thing I just found out today, there's a place he's going he's never been to before. So I'm excited yeah. about that. I'd like to welcome Dick Brandt. Dick, great for being here. Thank you this morning.
4: Yeah, great. Thanks, Glenn. It's uh, glad to be back and uh, glad to be talking about this. Subject. Hopefully, uh, we can cover new ground from yes. the last time we were together.
3: <laughs> well, let's digress for a second. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about you and your career? Not only some of what you've done, but what's brought you to this point in your career today.
4: Yeah, thank you. Well, um, I went overseas in 1980 uh, with AT&T. I had been working 10 years for them. And as we're going to talk a little bit about it today, they uh, <clears throat> they realized at that time with the breakup of AT&T that they had to get overseas. So mm-hmm. much like your scriptures, we were casting our stones across the oceans in many different ways. We didn't go. really know where we were going first, right? Mm-hmm. And so we were practically nowhere. So over uh, the 15 years that I was overseas we uh, we went everywhere you can imagine but you just don't go everywhere all at the same time right, so right. uh, and uh, so as you know, I, I spent time in, in, uh, in Ireland and Italy twice and then Australia and then New Zealand and back to Italy and Greece and then off to Hong Kong and Amsterdam. <laughs> and then I finally came home and I thought after all that time that I've been trying to do business all over the world, I really wanted to give back and I wanted to teach. And that's how I ended up at Lehigh University and, mm. and I now run the uh, Lee Iacocca Institute there.
3: And that's been an amazing challenge for you as well. I mean, you've done a lot of, uh, uh, even more international work there, correct? Actually,
4: yeah. I mean, I'm on my way to seven countries next week um, uh, as part of the recruiting for that program, and uh, we've we've brought 1,400 young professionals and college students from all over the world there over the last 16 years, mm. and they've come from 125 countries.
3: Wow. So, but let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. Now, you also have a summit or a village that you call it right. uh, that you do there as well. So I know you're the director of the foundation, so I, I know we have a lot to cover today. But yeah. let's just talk about that for a second. Um, tell us more about that. How does that work?
4: Well, what happened, and this really goes back to Lee Iacocca, who some of your listeners, I'm sure, have read his books and remember him from Ford and Chrysler, right? Mm-hmm. And Lee had this vision that he needed to bring business people, young business people, to, together at the beginning of their career to figure out how different these different cultures are and how do you get over working in all these different cultures. So it was really his vision. Right. And he so with him, we developed this leadership program and uh, we started it back in 1997. And that's where these 1,400 young people have come. But as we had talked before we got on the air here, right. uh, 12 years ago we started doing it with high school kids mm-hmm. and we've now trained 670 high school kids and they all want to get into business also. So wow. your program is really on target because there's a A great group of young high school kids, I'm sure, in the state of New Jersey Mm -hmm. and Pennsylvania and New York, that they want to get into business also. And, And they're thinking of it at a very young age, much younger than kids did, let's say, 10, 20 years ago.
3: Well, it's more of a global world today, right? I mean, yeah,
4: and and that's why the high school program is called global entrepreneurship because we're trying to convince these kids at a very young age they can think globally. Yeah, mm-hmm. they want to be a businessman or a businesswoman, right. But all business is global, so unless you got that in your mind, uh, you're going to be you're going to be stymied in right. some way.
3: Well, obviously, with technology and so forth, the world is shrinking and getting smaller every day. So uh, <laughs> it's it's amazing how um, they can reach. Now, what's one of the questions I want to talk to you yeah. about a little later is, what about that perspective? Uh, should they be looking at that? But let, let's just back up for one second. Sure. You know, um, today at breakfast, I was telling some of the guys that you were going to be on again. They were very excited. And uh, first off, they heard Iacocca, and they said, oh, that's the guy who did the um, Must uh, Statue of Liberty, right? Oh, and Statue of Liberty. Liberty. And, right. then, and then somebody else said, oh, yeah, he's the one who saved uh, Chrysler." Chrysler." Chrysler. So... (laughs) So um, just refresh us a little bit. Yeah, what's Lee done, and what's he doing now?
4: Yeah, well, of course, you know, Lee was a 1945 graduate of Lehigh, mm-hmm. and he got a mechanical engineer. His dad was a working guy, you know, had a shoe shop, and his uncle then started these Yakko uh, hot dogs that you hear about in the Lehigh Valley. But he was a working guy, and his sister, who's a good friend of mine, Delma, had to just work to try to help to put him through college, oh, right? Really? But he always was a car guy, got into Ford, and went all the way to the top of Ford, was the Inventor of the Mustang, mm, 1964. Okay. That was that. his idea, right? Okay. So uh, that was really one of his claims to fame. But, you know, it's probably another topic. If you read his book, what happened is he got too popular. Yeah. And the Ford family said, "Wait a minute! This is our company, right. not his." And the next thing he said, "How do you get to be the president of one of the biggest companies in the world?" And he come into work one morning, and they said, "You're out of here." Really? And that's what happened. He wow. said, "You know," so he said, "The next day I'm sitting here reading the want ads, right?" <laughs> but a few weeks later, he was called to come in and try to save Chrysler, and he went in there, created the minivan. That was also another one of his inventions. Okay. Wow. And the Mustang. I mean, you see thousands of Mustangs on the road. Minivans. You know where that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is sure. And he and he rose, and he was one of the first CEOs that became a celebrity CEO, right. and he didn't take a salary.
3: Mm, that's fair. I remember
4: that. And then, of course, after he retired, um, he went on, he created a, um, a foundation in Boston for diabetes because his wife died in her 50s of diabetes. Oh, I didn't know that. And then he went on, because he's a tremendous patriot, and he mm. went on to raise all the money personally and from everyday people to rebuild the Statue of Liberty.
3: Mm. And uh, and of course, those are some of the things that he's known most for. The yeah. Statue of Liberty, obviously. That's yes, right. And the, uh, he's eight, eighty-eight
4: journey. years old now,
3: and still going, right? Yeah, still
4: going. <laughs> just uh, just saw him in September.
3: All right. Well, he. You know what? I always tell people there's no word for retirement in the Bible. You know, no, and, and no. I rather I I'd rather. what well, they say burn out than rust out, right? Right. right.
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's what he's doing right now. But so. you
3: do have to be care- careful of that. So yeah. so we got the Lee Iacocca angle down. Let's talk about AT and T. the yeah. Heyday. That was another thing that came up at the table this morning. Yeah. Oh, he must have worked for them when they were at the. Uh, they were all it, right? Yeah. And obviously, you were talking about divestiture, which is probably a dirty word we shouldn't no, say. No. Well. But uh, let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. What was it like working for AT and T in the heyday? Yeah.
4: Well, well, my wife also worked for AT&T, oh, okay. so she has her own story. But, you know, it was the biggest corporation in the United States. Mm-hmm. At that point, it had it had gone to over a million people, mm. and it covered the whole United States. Right. And um, it was like a family. It was amazing. I worked in Ohio, and I worked in New Jersey. No matter where you went, you walked into an AT&T office, you were home. Mm. When the government decided... Yeah, you're big, but you're too big. And you may remember they went after IBM and AT&T. Maybe IBM had better lawyers. (laughs) But uh, we ended up being broken up. It was a shock. Mm. I mean, it was like a family divorce Mm. because we had to break the company up into all the divisions. And, of course, it was at that time uh, in the early 80s when we knew this was going to happen took till 84 to what happened, that we decided we had to get outside the United States because mm-hmm. the market was going to constrict right. and there were going to be all these competitors. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of had a two or three year hiatus to get out of the United States and try to figure out what we were going to do in the world market.
3: Right. And how how was that perceived by the world market? I mean, they knew you were divesting, right? Yeah. They, they knew you had a motivation to get out of the country. Yeah. How did they see it?
4: Well, the way, that, the way it worked, and I know we're probably running up against the clock here for a second, but what happened was um, everybody knew AT&T because while we were not overseas, as it is today, we had more connections to all the countries of the world than any one company
3: oh, go, in right, the world. Right, okay. So
4: everybody knows the logo. It, it's almost one in the top ten logos like Coke right. if you go around the world, the AT&T brand, right? But we weren't there. So everybody knew us the good news is we had a chance to do consulting in the early days because they knew we had a certain expertise.
3: Right. Well, great. Well, thank you, Dick. You're right. We are up against a break, and we have so much to cover here with Dick Brandt, and uh, he's got a lot of good stuff for us, and uh, I have some questions he doesn't know about yet. Uh, But uh, we're going to talk about the global um, business architecture and the culture of doing business out of the country and all those types of things. So stay tuned. You listen to Tandem Radio Live, and you can listen to not only on the 6 Bridge FM radio station, but you can also tune on tandemradio.com. I know many people do that, and we get great emails there, and there's plenty of information there. and We'll tell you more about how to get in touch with us shortly, but stay tuned. We have a lot more with Dick Brand here from the Lee Iacocca Foundation and much, much more to talk about international business.
0: Fellowship of Christian Athletes, FCA, has become a worldwide Christian sports ministry, starting back in the 1950s by sports legends like Branch Rickey, Otto Graham, and John Wooden. The vision of FCA is to see the world impacted for Jesus Christ through the influence of athletes and coaches. Billy Graham wrote, FCA has grown into the most extensive ministry of its type in the world. For more information, our FCA link at tandemradio.com.
5: CSAVsystems.com works with you to find the right mix of technology to help make a greater impact. Whether you need wireless microphones, XM satellite music, or sophisticated teleconferencing, CSAVsystems.com can help you enhance your business. To find out more about how CSAV Systems can help you look and sound better, the number is 732-577-0077 or online at csavsystems.com, a sponsor of Tandem Radio.
3: Well, welcome back to Tandem Radio. This is your host, Glenn DeLake. and here with Dick Brandt, who is the director of the Lee Iacocca Foundation, has a prominent history with uh, AT&T in the past, and uh, has been around the globe uh, more times than I can probably count, and still finding new places to go. But uh, let's start off with our scriptures again, and then we'll get back into uh, some of the things that Dick and I were talking about. Your de- Genesis twenty-eight fourteen: God was speaking to Abraham. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north, into the South. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And in Matthew eight, eight to nine, the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But you say the word, and my servant will be healed, for I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, Do this, and he does it. Lastly, Mark sixteen, fifteen. Mark sixteen, fifteen, he said to them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And, of mm-hmm. course, we're talking today, Dick, about going into, going the, world into the world and, uh, <laughs> and doing uh, business and, of course, taking the gospel along with us. But let's let's start with um, this segment with why should Americans be involved in business? I mean, there's some people that have this isolationism concept, and, and obviously AT&T, they had to do it if they wanted to really survive, uh, survive yeah. and grow. Yeah. So why should the average business owner today go out of the country and do business?
4: Well... I mean, it's the old uh, phrase that is heard all the time: that all business is global, mm-hmm. and it and it is. The the thing about America, and I've I've taught freshman business students for about ten years, as and this is now going back fifteen years ago. Um, the freshman business students coming in, they because the market is so big, especially on the East Coast here, right? Mm. that they think that I can survive my whole life in business and stay here and never step outside the borders. Right. And, and for practical purposes, in some ways you can, but yeah. not in today's world mm-hmm. because the world has become a global world. Right. And if you really want to think about how you market your product and how you make your product and how you move into new markets, the developing markets are really where the business is. I mean, all these stories about America is going to be number two, number three. Uh, We're not number one anymore. We still are in GDP. But all of that is based on the fact that we have a shrinking market. Mm. We're not shrinking in ideas. We're not shrinking in technology. We're not uh, shrinking in the creation of business. But in total market capacity, we are shrinking, Mm. right? And so people have to think about that as they look to the future about where – Is the market growing, and how do I get into it? How do I get smart enough that I can do that and not lose a lot of money?
3: So, you know, obviously there's motivation there, right? Right. So is this, though, when I think of of international business, like I own small businesses, you know that, um, a number of them, and I rarely ever think globally. I mean, I've done some work out of the country. I mean, I've had people call me and say, hey, can you do this for me in this country? And we have. but. I, I rarely think out of the country. So is it a game for just the big guys, or, or it really can yeah. anybody do it?
4: Well, I mean, that's the prevailing wisdom, is that it is a, a game for the big guys, but it isn't anymore. Mm-hmm. i give you an example. I was talking to a, a tool-and-die guy by the name of Ron Broccolenti in the Lehigh Valley area. And Ron took over his dad's business, and he grew it to a, you know several hundred people. It's mm-hmm. now, I think, almost 500 but Ron realized that in order to be competitive in his kind of business, that he needed to be outside the U.S. So right. he actually bought a factory in China three mm. years ago, and he trained them in his techniques for tool and die. Really? And that allows him now, and he's a small businessman, I mean, several hundred people here in the Valley, but he took a risk, and now he can he can defer some of that business to this, to this uh, plant there, right? And he knows that he's got his own managers there. They've been trained under his system. And, of course, he does it as a much reduced cost, right? right? right. And so some of the work, he had to do it or he was going to lose it. Mm. He was going to lose it to another guy that was actually going to China to another business to get it done. So now he owns his own business there. Mm. And he's a small businessman. Mm. And I talk to small business all the time that are starting to think that way. Okay, I have this really great product, but how would I market it in that country? How could I get get in? Do I have Mm. to go to the government there? Do I have to find an agent? All those kind of questions. Right. Right.
3: Well, that, that seems to be the issue. I mean, obviously, you know, when you're a business owner and you're focused on your market and right. what you're doing, you know, it can be scary to look at a new market like that.
4: It can be. And and there's, I mean, there's all the other sides of the course. I, I, I grew up in Ohio. We go to see my sister. And um, there's a business there that she's very familiar with because of some relatives there, Mm. and they had a very good business there, and they dabbled in China also. So here's the opposite side of the story. And they went there, and they worked on doing a joint venture, got a factory going there, and the minute everything was up and running, the Chinese said, you're out of here. They said, what do you mean (laughs) you're out of here? This is our business. And they said, no, we're not out of here. He said, okay, you're not out of here, and they put them in jail.
3: Really? Wow.
4: And so they didn't know if they were going to get back home, and eventually – The deal was they left and left everything they created. No kidding. Because they were in with the wrong people.
3: Right, right. (laughs) Well, that's always one of the the biggest fears, right, of of just losing it all and uh, maybe even incarceration. But let's talk about that for a second. When when you decide that, yeah, maybe we do need to go globally or we need to look outside the country, how do you decide? And I know you have a vast amount of experience in this. How do you decide what country first to go to?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean— this is something that we call the we called it the strategic pyramid. In other words, we it, it's just like your scriptures. If you're going to go throughout the world to the north and the south and the east and the west, mm-hmm. you can't go everywhere, right? Right. So, um, in this exercise that we call the strategic pyramid, and I've done it with other companies besides AT and You sit down and you you really segment the globe, right? And mm-hmm. you're looking at markets that are in your vision the number one market that you want to get into. But then I ask you why, okay? Right. And usually there's a there's an answer, oh, yeah, it's the market, okay? Well, what kind of the market? How much of the market? Because part of the market, by the way, is owned by your strategic biggest competitors, mm. and you're not going to get it. Part of the market is owned by the government. You're not going to get that part right. of the market. Right. So you have to figure out what part of the market you're going to after, to, and after you go through that, then you have to figure out, okay, do I do it myself, do I do it with a partner? Do I do it with a distributor? Do I do it with a value-added reseller? You have to ask yourself all those questions. right? And and then you figure out how you're going to do it. Now, of course, the other side that we we will talk about and did on the first program is this whole issue of the ethical standards in that country, mm, right? right exactly. Because once you get through all the market questions, then you got to sit back and say, okay, all the market stuff looks really good. But what, what if the laws in that country are not easy? And more importantly, what if the corruption index or the way in which business is done or the way I'm going to ask you to do business as a Christian businessman, right. you cannot do? Mm, mm, right. Then no matter what the market says, you can't go there. Mm. And those are very tough conversations.
3: Well, I don't know if there's a, you know one answer to this, but where does somebody go to start to research this type of stuff?
4: Well, okay. Okay. Um, the U.S. government is really fantastic, and and we don't utilize them. I, I was just with the U.S. ambassador in Thessaloniki, Greece, and she was helping me meet the uh, the businessman. The U.S. Commerce Department has a network of, of people whose only job is to help you get into a country. So let's say you wanted to go to Turkey mm. for some reason; it's a little dicey, but Turkey is one of the big especially movers. For me. Well, huh? yeah, I know. Especially <laughs> for you, right? Uh, okay. You have to kind of hide that you're Armenian, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Probably not a good place to go. No, but it's a wonderful market, but it's got some interesting – well, you would end up in the, in the office of the commercial attaché um, in Istanbul, Okay, and his or her job is to help you figure out whether that's a market you can go into. Mm.
3: Right. So can any size business call them any, up and say, any, hey,
4: right. um There, There's a bureau down in Philadelphia, and it works for the Commerce Department. And their job is to help you decide whether you can go to those countries. Hmm. Uh, they have a service. It's called the Gold Key. I, I've done it hmm. 40 times. Oh, really? And the Gold Key service um, allows you – so you say, okay, maybe it's not Turkey. Maybe you want to go to Greece, or maybe you want to go to, um, let's say, Thailand. Right they will then call their their commerce people in thailand and you tell them what your business is and they'll they'll do an economic scan and they'll say oh, okay really? this is what we think your business won't work it will work here's 10 people 10 businesses that could be your partner or people you got to meet hmm. and you say i do I want to do it and then they'll go to them. You pay them a very small fee, a 1000 or 2000. You pay who? You pay the US Commerce Department. Okay, okay. Okay. And and they they will then go and set up all the meetings really? uh, for you and then you arrive and they will even go with you to the meetings. Hmm, no kidding. So it's a, it's a really good way to start. I opened up many of the countries for the institute exactly that way.
3: Hmm. It, well, it sounds a lot simpler than you know, I originally would think. Yeah.
4: yeah no, it can be. I mean, it's not simple when you get over there. Right. But at least the groundwork is done, and you can make an informed decision.
3: Right. And, of course, you have to put a pot of money aside to, right, right. to travel and, for all and, this stuff. And,
4: and maybe, I think we talked about this the last program, but Pennsylvania has more overseas reps from the Department of Economic Development than any state in the United States. Hmm. Thirty-seven countries are covered by overseas reps from right. Pennsylvania hmm. that are over there. And just like the Commerce Department, they, of course, bring you a little bit more of a local view. Right. Their job is to help you get over there.
3: And every state has these kind of reps.
4: Every, But not as many. Right. Yes. Right. Every state has these kind of reps. It depends how big their Economic Development Department is.
3: Mm, well, there yeah. you have it, folks. You learn something new every day on yeah. Tandem Radio Live. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dick. That's yeah. great stuff. And uh, we have so much more to talk about. We wanted to cover, of course, the title of the show today, Global business architecture and how to do business internationally and what that involves and some of the nuances. And I know Dick has a lot of intriguing stories. You're listening to Tandem Radio Live. We're here every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I say that because we're on the 6 FM bridge station, so we cover a pretty large regional area. But we also are listened to globally, which I'm excited about, especially when we get uh, emails from people outside the country. It's always uh, interesting. And you can reach us at info, I-N-F-O, at tandemradio.com. That's info at You can send us your questions, whether it's a question for Dick or a question about international business or a general business question. Or if you want somebody to pray for you in your business, we'd be happy mm-hmm. to do that. Uh, we always get back to you, that's for sure. And sometimes your questions might even end up on the air. So uh, please feel free to reach out to us. And uh, we'd love to hear from you, even if you just want to say, hey, I'm listening. And we're also on Facebook, of course. Don't forget that alley updates to Facebook on a regular basis. You can see what's going on there and uh, find out more about us and communicate with us as well through that. And uh, our goal is to bring you the good news on business and anything we can do to help you with your business and give you a Christian perspective on your business, we'd be happy to do that because God's Word is filled with business advice. It has answers to every aspect of your life, including your business. And that's why we encourage you to seek Him and to seek His Word for guidance and advice. And it'll bring you to a place where you really enjoy being and allow you to not only grow and flourish, but be in a place where you know God has is in it with you. Again, you're listening to Tandem Radio Live, and uh, we're going to be back after these messages. By the way, listen close to these sponsors. These are good, quality business owners that want to help you and help your business. We'll be back right after this.
2: You're listening to Tandem Radio, the good news on business. Call our show at 1-800-575-9564 or visit our website at tandemradio.com.
4: Hi, I'm Deborah Weiss, your certified short sale specialist with Keller Williams Realty. If you owe more on your home than current market value and need to sell for any reason, a short
1: sale might be the answer. Once again, I'm Deborah Weiss with Keller Williams, Jersey Shore,
5: serving Monmouth and Ocean Counties. For more information, my number is 908 670 9896 or online at shortsalespecialistnj.com.
4: That's shortsalespecialistnj.com.
3: Good morning, and welcome back to Tandem Radio Live. This is your host, Glenn Delakin. and it, uh, we just have so much to cover today with Dick Brandt, who is uh, the uh, director of the Lee Iacocca Foundation and uh, is also has extensive experience working with AT&T in their development in foreign countries, and uh, he's worked for them for 25 years and traveled all over the globe. Uh, and I know the last segment, I'll ask you a question where you're going next, yeah, so we'll, right. okay. we'll, save that. we'll save that for later. I also want to welcome all our listeners, not only regionally but nationally, and uh, I know my son's listening in today down in D.C. with a group of his friends because he's interested in international studies and and this business. So and congratulations, son, on your new career down there. We're excited for you and all that you do. And uh, so thanks yeah. for tuning in today. Um, and he's working for the State
4: Department. Right? Yeah, he
3: is. He and is. the State yeah.
4: Department is a, is a really big partner with us at mm. the at the institute. So right. I'll just mentioned that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We'll we'll talk more about that. Yeah. But we touched on something in the last segment that I want to uh, touch on sure. a little further. Go a little further. The legal system. You know, we hear all these crazy things that go on. I know I'm going to ask you to talk about that later on as well. But how different do you see the legal systems from country to country? Are they dramatic?
4: Well, of course, um, not as dramatic as it used to be. Okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, as an example, the, the biggest now combined market of the world is the EU. Right? Okay, right. I mean that's a whole another story because if you're over there in Europe talking to the EU people they would tell you that it's gotten too big. Mm. And there's no question that you know the the 27 countries should have never grown to 27 countries. Oh, okay. okay. But one of the things they tried to do was actually bring forth a common type governmental system and legal system, especially where it comes to the laws involving business. And so um, right now um, you've got, well the, the guy that's now the head of Italy, this guy Mario Monti, he got famous because he was kind of the, he was kind of the legal business guy in Brussels for many, many years, looking at the business structures and Mm. making sure that the Americans weren't too anti-competitive because we were so big. So the the legal systems have gotten much better over there. But now if you go to the other side of the world, it's a completely different story, Mm, right? right. I mean, the most attractive market to everybody these days is, of course, India and China. China being number one, India being number two. To very different places, right? Mm. You've got China where it's basically a communist structure. right? And so therefore, any kind of legal structure that you understand about business is out the window. Right. <laughs> okay? You, what you do and how you do it is sanctioned by the different Communist Party officers. Right. And unless you're in with that group, doesn't matter, mm. right? And then you say, okay, well, we're going to leave that for a second go over to India because India got basically formed up, their structure got formed up by the British. Right. And, okay, so it's a more democratic, understandable system, mm-hmm. except that India ranks on, like, the top of the list in the international corruption index, oh, really? right? <laughs> so now you've got a structure that looks like something you understand, but you've got more corruption than you'd ever could shake a stick at. Mm -hmm. And so that's that level that brings another level of complexity to doing business there. So, yeah.
3: Well, you mentioned the corruption index. I know we talked about briefly about the FBI and a program they have and so forth. Let's talk about that for a second, because obviously, at least in my mind, when I think about doing business in foreign countries, the first thing I think of is corruption. I mean, what rails do we have to grease? Whose palms do we have to cross, you know, in order to get anything done? And, of course, you see the nightmare stories in the movies, you know, uh, of the people who lost everything, including getting incarcerated and whatever. But but, so tell me a little bit about that. What's this corruption index thing all about?
4: Well, I mean, what they try to look at is the way in which a country actually does business and the ease from everything of setting up your own business to the ease of doing business without having to do the things that you talked about. Right. I mean, as a businessman, and particularly as a Christian businessman, right. if you're going to go to a place knowing that a percentage of everything you sell there has to be done under the table mm. and has to get into somebody's pocket... You have a moral decision you have to make. Right. Right? And you can't do it. Mm -hmm. You can't do it. I mean, there's a certain amount of money that gets paid to get your stuff out of customs and customs officers and trucking companies. Even the U.S. government, they call that a facilitating payment. But if you're going to actually have to think about paying people to get the business... In the United States government, that's illegal. And morally, it's illegal. Mm. So there you are. You can't do it, right? Right. Um, But even in our own country, we were talking earlier about – I told you that I have some friends that have worked for the FBI, and Mm. I've actually had one of them, John Hansen, who was an FBI training agent. He's a uh, a white-collar agent for the FBI for years, right? And he told me a story that I I wanted to at least mention very quickly. He said in every case of corruption that he's investigated – There were always three things that were always there. One, there was always an incentive. Somebody always had a reason. Mm -hmm. They were running out of money, they're going through a divorce, they're into drugs, the the whole list, but there was always an incentive Mm -hmm. why they did it. Number two, which was really interesting, is they always had the opportunity. And I said, well, what do you mean the opportunity? Well, they either had the time or they had the power because nobody looked, Mm -hmm. right? Or they had the know-how about how to do something in the system that nobody else had. Right, and thirdly, they always had a rationale why it was okay. <laughs> right. right, the guys at the top don't care. Nobody's looking. It's too big a business. They don't pay me enough. I didn't get promoted. Da 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 da. Right. So there was always an incentive. They always had the opportunity, and they always had a reason why. Right. And if they could find those three things, they could find where the corruption was going on. Hmm.
3: So in the cases Corruption Index, yeah. I, I guess they review all these foreign countries and get right. a feel for that?
4: Right. They, they, they go talk to business people and they ask young business people, you know, what do you have to do to get started? Well, I can get started in Brazil, but the police are going to be on the steps, you know, within the first month of, of business. And they're going to be asking for a handout if they want my business to keep going and the place isn't robbed. Right. Mm, right. Then in another place, they're going to find out whether or not you have to have an agent. Um, And they're going to look at these agents and how they work. And if the agents are kind of deep under the table and deep into the government... They're gonna. that's going to raise them high in the corruption index, right? right? And if the laws are not specified in a way that it's clear how your business is established and worked and the taxes that you pay, if the laws are not very clear, that's also going to push you up on the corruption index. Hmm.
3: Right. So so the F, the FBI does this? They, they,
4: no, it's not. It's actually done by outside agencies. Okay. Uh, actually, one of the ones that has one of the biggest indexes is Amnesty International hmm. because Amnesty is looking at the whole way in which human rights are handled. Handled, right, right, right. and you could argue that this is a facet of human rights. Hmm,
3: very interesting. Yeah. So, somebody before somebody goes into a foreign country, they can literally see if there's a high level of corruption they're right, going to they have to deal with. They can
4: call the corruption index up on the internet and they can see what the, view, the world view is of the corruption in that country. Right, yeah. right. Now, but here's an example I never ran into it in India mm. at all. I did a joint venture, right? But my partner was a guy by the name of Ratan Tata. He's been a lot written about him. He's probably the most honest guy you've ever met. And he runs one of the five or six biggest companies in India. Hmm. But it was started as kind of a collective, as almost a foundation with very strong values. Hmm. And this guy made sure that none of us, if if it was there, none of us saw it, right? Mm, right? That we were his partner. We were not going to run into it. Mm. But if you don't pick a partner like that, right. you're in trouble.
3: <laughs> right. You really know, <laughs> need someone who knows the ins and outs, right? Yeah. Is partnering always the way to go when you're in these country? Well, that's, that
4: was, goes back to that other question. When we were doing that strategic pyramid. Eventually, you come down on the list, and there's two questions. Am I going to do it myself, mm. or am I going to do it with somebody, right? right? If you're going to do it with somebody, you immediately have an into the market, right? Mm, right? But you've thrown yourself in with somebody, mm-hmm. lock, stock, and barrel, you better know who you're throwing in with. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of places where it was much easier for us to do it on our own, mm-hmm. and the government was welcoming that. Many more places where I had to do a joint venture. You had to have a partner. If you didn't have a local partner, you were never going to get anywhere.
3: Mm, mm. So partnership could be the way to go. And yeah. it sounds like to me in many cases it is. But obviously the key is who you partner with. You right, to be, and that's why yoked, that, right? <laughs> that discussion
4: we were having about the, the U.S. export services, which they do through the Commerce Department, right. is to try to help you get a good partner. Mm. Yeah.
3: Now, now, in this mix, any business owner has got to think about this. Yeah. You're obviously going to be spending time in these countries if you're going to expand into these countries. Sure. I have a friend that has a big, uh, owns two factories in China. He's he lives in my town, and he's there a lot. So tell us, talk. You know, you've been to all these foreign countries. What's life like? dealing with all these issues. I mean, you know, I had a brother-in-law that, that spent time, I think it was in Taiwan, and he lived there for one year, and, he, and, and uh, uh, he was only allowed to live there 11 months for some reason. I don't even know why. But the not that he got in trouble. No, but no, no uh, But
4: the, a lot of times the visas right. will only last that long.
3: So what was it like? I mean, your wife's here. Uh, you know, uh, well, did Sandra you travel I, with her? Did oh, you go with her? Yes.
4: What? I mean, she and I lived in Italy together for three years and Hong Kong for four years and Amsterdam for two years, and then the other places I was on my own mm-hmm. well she was only there two years because they sent me there for a year to actually set up the office set up the house and then she arrived mm-hmm. after and but it, it was really wonderful um i mean you had to understand the culture in most of those places my wife learned the language because she's a language major oh, okay. and she's phenomenal and speaks six languages wow. so she's uh, really fantastic that way um so it, learning the culture is really important but right. also you know uh, because we're talking here in Tandem Radio, in each of those cultures we lived in, we found an evangelical church right mm, in the you center, go. you know, right in the center of Rome, right, in a building that, believe it or not, was contracted for during the Second World War by the Southern Baptists. No kidding. And uh, it was right next to a lingerie shop, which was kind of interesting, right? <laughs> so we had a Southern Baptist church next to a, a Roman lingerie shop. There but this go. was an old building. That Sounds they, like a book. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, um, but then when we went to Hong Kong, on the uh, the Aberdeen side. Here was a a fantastic evangelical church in an international school. Mm. And when we went to Amsterdam, and that was a whole other thing, Glenn, because we traveled the country, there was almost not a working church in Amsterdam. So we had to have our church in a school. Hmm because the churches have all become other kinds of because nobody goes to church.
3: Right, right. Very interesting. Very interesting. Dick, you always bring unique insights to every topic we touch on. Uh, We got more to cover in the last segment, so make sure you stay tuned. This is Tandem Radio Live here every Saturday morning and uh, talking to you about the good news on business. And our topic today is global business architecture. By the way, if you haven't checked it out yet, you need to go on YouTube and check out Ask Tandem. You'll actually see uh, interviews from our guests and myself and uh cooper ford who's in the studio today uh reaching out to people uh, uh, who have just graduated college or are new in business so ask tandem don't forget to check that out
5: See, sav systems can help you look and sound better is the word being heard clearly in your church do your sound and video presentations make your business look good is technology a struggle you can let csavsystems.com provide the right technology to meet your needs as well as your budget. They've been designing professional sound and video systems for schools, churches, conference rooms, auditoriums, retail malls, hospitals, and more for over 25 years. csavsystems.com works with you to find the right mix of technology to help make a greater impact. Whether you need wireless microphones, XM satellite music, or sophisticated teleconferencing, csavsystems.com can help you enhance your business. To find out more about how CSAV Systems can help you look and sound better, the number is 732-577-0077 or online at csavsystems.com, a sponsor of Tandem Radio.
3: Well, welcome back to Tandem Radio Live. We're in the studio with Dick Brandt, who is the director of the Iacocca Foundation out at uh, Lehigh University and also has uh, had an extensive career traveling around the globe, helping AT&T expand their businesses to foreign countries and just has a wealth of knowledge on business in general. And, Dick, I'm glad you got to the Evangelical Church concept because one of the questions I was going to ask you is how you maintain your um, level of faith throughout all this. And I know that there's a long answer to that question, and, and we have so much to cover. But I'm glad you were able to find churches in most of these countries, sure. and and where you didn't, you probably had church right in the uh, in your own back uh, in your own uh, living room, right, or, or in the hotel. Well,
4: but <laughs> the churches have have grown up because primarily in a lot of these countries, there's a great expat community that has parachuted into these places to work, right. and um, and American business people, a lot of them are faith-based people, mm-hmm. and they come there, and their families are coming with them. They've got to have a faith-based group of people that they can. Uh, be with, right? Mm. And the good news about that is then it spreads out to the local community and the right. young professionals that are there who maybe d- wouldn't have a church to go to, but because of these satellite churches, then people start to join and they become bigger.
3: Mm. Just like our Mark scripture today, Mark sixteen fifteen, 15, yeah. uh, he said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And obviously the world being the issue and uh, all creation, and uh, it gives you a great opportunity right. to share right. your faith in, right. in uh, many different respects. Mm. Well, great. We have so much more to talk about today, um, and uh, I want to touch on uh, real quick a question that everybody's uh, on most Americans' mind today, this whole Iran-Syria issue. Um, You know, I want to kind of ask you a broad shotgun question. Uh, the easy question is, how does that affect business? Yeah. But let's talk about it in a broader sense for a minute. What are your thoughts there?
4: Well, um, I mean, obviously you and I and everybody, your listeners, have lived through a piece of history that never existed, mm-hmm. right? But what's happened is they call it the Arab Spring, right? right. Uh, the interesting thing about it, since we're on a business program, is you know this whole thing started in Tunisia because of a Tunisian business guy who was fed up with the corruption and the government pressure. He couldn't he was a guy running a stall hmm. there and he burned it. he self-immolated himself that's yeah. where this all started really? right I didn't know because that. of a young businessman who had had enough okay. right and then of course it's Tunisia and Algeria and then it's Egypt and then it's Yemen and then it just keeps going right, right? Um, and th- then we end up with the situation we have right now and hmm. so to answer your question these are two pivotal countries in where this thing is at, because you've got one where you've got a leader, Bashar. He he's refuses to leave, mm. and he said everything's okay. And of course, what just a couple days ago you saw those three <laughs> More yeah, the journalists were killed, right. and he's slaughtering civilians, right. right? Just and and I don't know how long the international community is going to let him operate mm. like this. It's unbelievable, right? That he's able to do this. But of course, the big question is with all those countries, what's happened completely surrounding Iran. Mm. And then if you know anything about, of course, if you read about Iran, you know that inside that community is a very learned society Mm. and a very learned society that's very commercial and a very young society Mm. that could be very much like what's happened in the rest. Mm. But it hasn't. Right. Right. And every time they raise up, we get blamed. We, the Americans, get blamed for fueling that fire. Mm. But it's really the young people in Iran who have got a decision to make. And now you've got a fight going on between the two leaders, the religious leader and the president of the country, who I think is as crazy as a (laughs) loon.
3: That's for sure. But
4: but the rest (laughs) of the international community lets him go wherever he wants to go. And the Chinese welcome him because of the oil. It's all about oil. Sure. Right. Right. So, But I think those are two big two big steps that are going to be uh, the most important thing that's going to happen in the next year. Mm.
3: What do you think about, you know, you've been to Israel, you've been to a lot of these yeah. places. What do you think about the situation with Israel relative to Iran? I mean, you, you think they really yeah. have to step up or are they going to keep on the chain? Like the Americans keep them on a the chain, I always yeah, say. Yeah, well,
4: uh, you know, Israel is a whole, we could probably do a whole program in Israel. I've been right. there four times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Israel is is kind of like a thorn in the Arab side for a lot of reasons. But one, here's a country with Zippo natural resources they have nothing right and yet there's more israeli companies on the us stock exchange than any country in the world right, <laughs> right. they have more creativity and more new businesses and successful people they have nothing from a, a natural resource standpoint and they're surrounded with all these arab countries that have the oil right right and they look over at those guys but the the problem of course is is that israel is probably better armed than any of right. them right? <laughs> right and if they scare them enough Everybody in that country has been trained as a military officer. Every Israeli I bring to my program only comes to my program after they've gone through officer's training. Mm, right? wow. So they're all military. Mm. They push a button, it's Armageddon. Right. So that's the really scary thing because if these guys get serious enough, especially Iran— I don't know where it'll end up.
3: Mm, mm. Well, we have to pray that, uh, yeah. you know, we obviously know that God's in control. God's and in that, control. Uh, we have to pray about those things. But I asked that question mainly because, like I told you, uh, I've had business owners out of nowhere, you know, say mm. to me, what do you think? You know, I mean, it obviously even impacts the businesses here in the United States that aren't doing business nationally. Right, right. It's of concern, and people yeah. have that in the back of their mind. So I'm glad you brought that to And in to
4: effect, my- in all those countries I listed, businesses stopped. I mean, mm. at this point, Egypt was one of the biggest tourism sites in the Middle East. Right. Phenomenal. Mm. It's done. Mm. Until this gets straightened away, nobody's going there. Right. And so that was a major part of their economy. And sure. it's gone through all. Tunisia, same way. Mm. Yemen, nobody's going.
3: You think they can turn it around and bring it back?
4: I, well, I think Egypt can. Right. I, I, I don't know. It depends what happens with the Muslim Brotherhood and how this all kind of develops. But I think Egypt could. Right, right. Yeah.
3: They have to, I think. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, where else are they going to go? Yeah. So so that brings me right into the, the next concept, and this is the uh, the village program that you have up, yeah. up in Lehigh, because I'm so intrigued by that. And and by the way, thank you for your invitation. I'm excited about going yes. up there to speak cool. in yeah, July, Glenn is and going to
4: be one of our executives. You're going to be on a family business panel. Hey, I yeah. just
3: got promoted. There you yeah, go. I yeah, I'm going to be an executive. All yeah. right. Okay. Now, now I'm really excited. I'll even, like I told you, I'll even shave for yeah. that event. Of course, okay. we use the term <laughs>
4: executive very loosely. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> there
3: you go. you got to keep them humble. Right? got Keep them humble. I'm sure Sandra taught you that one, right? But um, so let's talk about the program a little bit more because yeah. it kind of it ties in, I mean, so well to what, all this craziness is going on, but yet you bring some sanity to it.
4: Right. So we, we bring 50 countries together every summer. We've now touched 125, and we're trying to teach them how to work in teams across cultures. That's the mm. main thing. It's a leadership program. We're trying to help them create businesses and so on, but that's, that's the whole idea of the program. But as we had talked before the program began, this summer was very different for me, because mm. um, through the State Department I had eight Muslim women, and they were all clothed in Muslim garb, right, mm. all, while their faces were showing, but they were all covered. And they were they were smart people. They were lawyers. They were business master's degree students. And I, I mentioned to you, this was really, I had never seen this happen in 15 years. These eight young ladies between mm-hmm. 20 and 30 years old bonded in a way I've never seen before. But the reason they bonded was because they knew on that date, on August 4th, when the program ended, they were all going to return to these Eight Muslim countries mm. where they were not going to be valued, in their opinion, to start a business, to be part of a company. Mm. They were going to go back to a life that they really didn't want to go back to. And right. they were torn because of their religion, because of their families. But they saw a different way of working here with all these people from all over the world. So not just an American way. right? right. But they knew they were returning to a life that would never be the same for them. Mm. That was very very difficult.
3: I'm sure. Now, do you follow up with these people after oh, yeah. they go back to their country? Sure, we
4: have a we have an alumni network for mm-hmm. every year, and in fact, uh, we've had several big reunions. We've had it in Turkey, we've had it in Italy, we've had it in France, we oh, had really? it in uh, in Venice and in Greece, mm. and uh, and they get together all the time. And you know, they're on this massive Facebook network by year, right. and then they can lap over to another year. So they're very active. Yeah.
3: Mm. So you literally you're planting seeds of commonalities that uh, who knows. May lead to world peace, right?
4: <laughs> well, it's in a way, we're trying, you know, the objective, you could say, is world peace. We're right. trying to convince people they can work together and then have them work together when they leave across this cultural barrier. Mm-hmm.
3: Right. Well, it, it's, you know, the Bible's filled with that of, of uh, you know, Israel and other countries doing business together right. and and cultural issues, like in the case of Nehemiah, when, you know, the foreigners were coming in and bringing things in on the Sabbath, and he closed the gates and yep. no work on the Sabbath. So as long as they got to respect each other's culture, they were right. still able to have have commerce; They were still able to do business and accomplish so many great things. Right. And, uh, and I'm so happy to see your programs flourishing and doing yep. well. And uh, I want to thank you, Dick, uh, for coming in. We're right up against the end of the show, the again. show again. It goes so fast <laughs> when we talk. I get, we I don't know. even get to half the things we wanted to talk about, but it's still and exciting. And I know that people out there listening have gotten a lot out of it. And uh, thank you again. And, and thank it's you been, for bringing your bride with you well, as well. I'm glad so she it's was here to keep me honest here. It's
4: wonderful to be here. Um, it has hasn't always been easy as a Christian businessman, Mm -hmm. um, but I've tried to stay you know, really close to my faith and close to what God expects of me in doing business. And He's always rewarded me with better business than I ever could have imagined.
3: Praise God. Praise God. Amen. And praying about your business and giving it up to God, I'll tell you, it really does smooth things out for you. And if, if you're listening out there and you're not doing that, I encourage you to involve God in your day to day plans, including what you do for a career or in business. You listen to Tandem Radio Live. Don't forget, tandemradio.com. Send us your comments, send us your thoughts, send us your questions. You'll find link to the Iacocca Foundation and to Dick on the um, website at TandemRadio.com, or you can drop us an email at info at TandemRadio.com. That's I-N-F-O at TandemRadio.com. And of course, we're on Facebook. Look us up there. We'd like to have you your comments and so forth. And don't forget to check out Ask Tandem. Go to YouTube, ASK Tandem, Ask Tandem, and you'll see what we do live, and you'll see some great interviews and some powerful information. We'll see you next Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Keep it going.
2: You've been listening to The Good News on Business, a Tandem Radio live broadcast heard here on the Bridge FM Radio Network and streaming at TandemRadio.com. Don't forget to join us every Saturday at 11 a.m. to 12 noon Eastern Standard Time, and call us and email us with your questions, because we'd love to hear from you. You can also visit our website for the latest blogs from Peter and Glenn, along with other information about upcoming guests, events, and business opportunities. I'm Kevin Reeves, and from everyone at Tandem Radio, we hope that you have a blessed week. And remember, walk with the Lord every day, in every way.